Welcome to the Anvil podcast from Church's Bookshop. That's Andrew. That's Georgia. And that's Linda. And just a reminder, as always, that we don't represent any particular denomination or organisation. We're just three friends having a chat off the top of our head. Well, that's not strictly true this week. This week, we've got a real actual reverend with us. We have Reverend Andy Fishburne. Welcome, Andy. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Uh, lovely to have you. Andy is the minister at Peel Methodist and a lot of the Methodist churches in the west of the Isle of Man. And it's lovely to, to have you joining us today when we're talking a bit about worship and what worship looks like um, both today and normally. I wonder, Andy, is that, do you want to introduce yourself a bit to, to anyone listening who may not know you? Yeah, so I'm Andy Fishburne. Um, I'm a Methodist minister. I'm quite new to it, really. Um, and I'm uh, based in the Isle of Man, and I look after four churches and four congregations in the west of the island. That's great. Thanks, Andy. During the lockdown, Andy is running an online service called Sty, which actually started a bit before lockdown, but um, has really grown a lot. And is even on the official Methodist in Great Britain website, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had a we had the idea to start something off when we anticipated that the lockdown might be coming. And yeah, so it's been we're really, really honoured to be to be picked as one of the few ones that are endorsed by the Methodist Church nationally. Awesome. And that's just one of the reasons why we wanted to have Andy on today to talk a bit about worship. Now, worship's kind of a, a big topic to to tackle all in one. But the first thing I sort of wanted to wonder is, well, what what actually is worship? So I wonder if we each were going to define worship, how would we define it? It's a really hard question, isn't it? I think it's I think I've changed. I I would used to perhaps I would used to have um said that it was the sort of singing part of a church service and that's really important but i i now would think it's far more than that and i i struggle to think of many things that aren't worship to be honest i think it's very much a whole life thing it's perhaps intentionally connecting with god um in whatever you're doing i think that's perhaps how i'd say it i think if i had to define it it would probably be just living your best life and doing it for God. Uh, again, similarly, I think I used to think of it as more the singing thing, but I have a much broader view of it now. And I think that everything that we do can be an act of worship as long as we're doing it for God's glory. I think I probably draw a distinction in my head between connecting with God and worshipping God, if that makes sense. And I think I probably am better at the connecting bit than the worshipping bit sometimes. Yeah, I, I grew up surrounded by what I'd now call musical worship. So my dad was a worship leader. Um, he trained me up to various positions, starting started with the sound desk, which was literally pushing a button when it was time to sing a song, up to the overhead projector and changing the sheets on that. And oh, it, I remember those. <laughs> that was my job. It was such fun. You had to follow along with a pen um, if the congregation didn't know the song. But eventually he trained me up to play play bass guitar, which I still do today. And that's sort of a, a legacy he's definitely left me that um, musical worship is very foundational. But because of that, it's been very easy for worship to mean music, uh, as Andy said, and a few of us have sort of mentioned. But conversely, he also actually really equipped me to, to see something broader. I remember he used to do these um, events where I would do the lighting design for them. So he'd actually set up his lighting ring and say, here you go. As a teenager, I was to design it and um, and all that. And he was sort of being really big and saying, no, this is worship too. This is part of the worship. And sort of really gave the idea that actually worship is all around this idea of coming together and 
and serving God. So I guess there's a, a connectedness in worship, I think, often. Um, not exclusively. Some, I also love worshipping on my own, but I think it's, it's something almost intangible, but you know when you're doing it. Having talked a bit about sort of what, what worship is, I guess, which ways do we, right? There's lots of different ways to worship as we covered. So what ways do we each find find most useful easily? They, I think we all tend to have our own styles of worship, as it were. Yeah, I guess I tend to be more contemplative in, in my worship. I think in terms of musical worship, I like songs which have, uh, that give you something meaningful to think about. So I'm less into the, some of the more modern ones, which are quite emotional. I have no problem with them. And I know lots of people find that really helpful for connecting with God, but I find that my mind wanders if I don't have something to really think about. So I quite like some of the old hymns with big theological concepts to mull over while I'm singing in church. And yeah, outside of church, I think generally I feel like I'm worshiping best when I'm acting in the, in the gifts that God's given me. So when I'm teaching or when I'm encouraging someone or when I'm listening, those tend to be the ways that I feel like, yeah, I'm living my best life for God. And and I do quite a lot of artsy stuff as well. So if I'm quite stressed, one of the ways that I like to reconnect with God will be reading a passage and mulling over a verse and then turning it into a poster or something. Awesome. I think I'm probably kind of at the opposite end to Linda in that for me, it is definitely musical worship and the more contemporary worship, which, yeah, is often described as more emotional worship, I guess. It, I think sometimes that's used as a as a criticism of it, not that Linda was saying that. but No, not at all. But for me, actually, I think what it is, it's about really connecting the whole of me in worship. And so I love being part of a, of a worship band and feeling that I'm playing some small part in making this sound that's enabling people to connect with God and to feel close to God so for me almost any act of worship is accompanied by music whether that's you know my own private reading I'll have worship music on if I'm going for a walk and wanting to just sort of really focus on God I have worship music on that's kind of what grounds me into a a state of worship rather than being a distraction so yeah I think I'm I'm quite different in that way I think I've been trying to think and I, I I What I think is that I worship most easily in ways that involve physical acts. And that that's quite as quite an um sorry, I'm mumbling here. That that's quite a an abstract idea. When I when I was a teacher, I was a, a secondary school teacher for a long, long time before I was a minister, and there was a theory which isn't very well regarded now, but that people learn in one of three different ways, which is either visual through looking at things, auditory through listening, or kinesthetic through actually physically doing something and moving. Um, and I think there's something in that. And I, I think I'm a kinesthetic learner and also a kinesthetic worshipper. So I like there to be movement and things which you can touch and hold. Um, so that would include for me playing guitar in a, in a band. It would include the act of breaking bread at, communion um it would include setting up um props and artistic spaces within a within a service it would include painting it would include um you know all the different things that i do physically with my hands i think that's the way i most naturally worship god not so good at the listening musical worship is quite important to me sort of strangely because i'm not a very musical person in any other way but i think 
probably the lyrics particularly and I agree with Linda I do like modern worship music but some of the old hymns have such amazing deep profound lyrics um, I think for me as well it's really important to take kind of quiet contemplative time with God and make that kind of headspace to really be to be in that moment and I'm quite I tend to be very busy and kind of keeping myself quite busy with a lot of thoughts going on in my head all the time so I think it's very important to sometimes make time where I'm quiet and I'm not thinking about anything else and I'm not doing anything else I am just sort of in the moment. So I'm interested here sort of even within a, a relatively small group we've got a real range of of experiences in different ways and that partly reflects how broad God is that God you know there isn't one way to worship God or to connect with God we've got all these different ways even within you know actually we're, we're not a representative sample by any means I, I know when I asked Andy to be on the podcast he described himself as not a millennial but um yeah Gen X is pretty close you know the rest of us you know we're, we're all relatively young we're all white we're all living on the Isle of Man it, it, by no means are we sort of a diverse group and yet our worship styles really are and um, I think when you go even further afield and open friends from fur further away that the sort of diversity of worship around the world is, is kind of breathtaking how how many different ways people worship God and on that note I guess I wonder is there any way that any of us connect with God in a way that would be seen as unusual um, perhaps among our culture or rarer or something that feels very specific to you for me I'm probably relatively normal in this way in, in most ways which is unusual because not much else is normal about me um for me being out in nature really helps i know that's not that uncommon but for me particularly it's climbing hills climbing a hill and listening to worship music so my, my best experience of that was i went when i was uh would have been 17 turning 18 um just before i decided to come to a small island called the isle of man for a gap year i went to an even smaller island called barra in the outer Hebrides by myself for a few days just kind of decompress after a levels and um, all my friends went off to Ibiza um, while I went to Barra. So, yeah, that was a bit unusual in itself. But I just climbed this hill by the guest house I was staying in, which was, there was no real path up. You were kind of tramping through fields and trying to avoid sheep. But I just got to the top and I was listening to a song called Never Once by Matt Redman. So um, that sort of goes, it starts standing on this mountaintop, seeing just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. And kind of ever since that moment, it's almost like hills have been like a, I don't like the term thin place, but the closest I could come up to, to it, a place where I really feel connected with God. So yeah, for me, climbing a hill. I don't do it very often, but when I clean, I feel like, yes, this is uh, for God. And sometimes I'll play calming music and chat to God while I clean. I, I don't know if it's unusual, but something that I'm really sort of thinking through at the moment is um, bullet journaling. I find I really connect with God through the process of bullet journaling and um, I'm currently um, doing a, a sort of dissertation on bullet journals as a way of connecting with God. So it's something that I'm sort of thinking through. Um, and I, I know it's not that unusual, but the bullet journals are quite a new thing. I, I guess that would count as the most unusual way that I connect with God. I really find that the process of bullet journaling um, helps me to create a calm space where God can talk. And it, it helps me to offload stuff that's going on in my head and be more organized and I find by doing that I think God God connects with me more easily when there's less clutter and also it's really lovely to have a record back of and see the sort of traces of where God's been working um, looking back through it is really really encouraging and it's quite arty as well so I quite like the arty 
<laughs> the graphic part of it too. Oh, bullet journals a race. I love looking at other people's. I've never got around to doing my own, but I have so much admiration for them. I could just look at them forever, scroll oh. through Pinterest, see everyone's ideas. <laughs> Mine's quite a minimal one. Some people do it in a very, very artistic way. And I did that for a while, but I found that it was just so much work to, to do the artistic side that it actually got in the way of actually keeping the bullet journal. So mine's quite, mine's quite plain. I, I must confess, I don't fully understand what bullet journaling is. Um, <laughs> well, I, don't, I go to Andy's church and I don't understand some failure on my part, I think. No, 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 I've not, I've not introduced it. Um, uh, yeah, I want to, I want to do a, some kind of a video at some point introducing people in, in churches to bullet journaling. So I think it's really valuable, but no, it's, no, don't, don't feel bad. It's basically a, it's possibly a diary and a to-do list, but it, it holds everything. It's, it's one physical book where everything goes in. So ranging from what you've got to do this day, like buy ham to really, really deep things like, I don't know, conduct a wedding of this person. I don't have to do that very much. No, um, but you know, the, 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 the deep, profound, massive things go in there along with all the very minor things. And I like the fact that everything gets mushed in together because, um, you know, God's in everything. So kind of like an external brain must make thinking easier. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the books that I'm using for my dissertation is a book called The Organized Mind. That's exactly the phrase that he uses. It's a, it's a way of externalizing our brain. It's a, um, taking stuff that would normally be storing up space inside by writing it down. It, it acts like a brain extension. I probably need to be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I do anything really unusual. I think the closest to kind of an unusual thing I do is probably writing. I think I connect with God a lot by writing, maybe rewriting a Bible story or playing around with like a poem based around a particular scripture verse or something and just kind of really thinking through all the different sort of implications and ways you could see that verse or that story and sort of messing around with changing the context and seeing if I get something new out of it. So that's probably the closest to an unusual way. When, when George says she does a bit of writing, bear in mind this is a, someone who'd written a novel in like a year. It wasn't a year, it was like six years. <laughs> it was about a year of actual writing. <laughs> also, it wasn't, you started it after we were married. Okay, three and a half then. I, I think that's really interesting to sort of see some of these ideas. I, I might like to try bullet journaling um, if I can be disciplined enough to, to actually do it I think it would be something quite useful and may maybe someone will walk up a hill because <laughs> they heard that it worked for me I don't know when we talk about worship often I guess sort of popular culture of mind actually goes to some of the what we might see as more extreme examples of of worship you'll see sort of you know southern baptists in America or oh, the snake handlers so I wonder if any of us um have ended been in any example of, of worship that have felt really crazy. Whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing is probably up for debate, but something where we, we've experienced worship that was outside of the realm of what we normally experience in, in you know, a, a general church here in, in the Isle of Man. But also whether that was helpful, was it unhelpful? Was it something you could learn from it? So I have some memories of being a child and sitting in a service where one song rolls into the next song rolls into the next song and then you end up with a repeated chorus that you feel like is going on forever and everybody's singing their own tune in their own words and and 
tongues and all sorts and people are falling over and I had no idea when it was going to end. Um, I remember that being quite a regular thing growing up and that was quite scary as a child because it's the only time I can remember being literally bored to tears because it's so overwhelming and not knowing when it's going to be over which and also the slight feelings of guilt around that because should I be bored of worshipping God everybody else is there in their element um so I guess maybe that has given me a negative feeling around that style of worship where um where it's lots of modern songs and it's very atmospheric and emotional because it's not that I have anything wrong with that but it does tend to trigger memories of being a child and not knowing when the when it's going to be over um yeah if, if if you didn't like that don't go to church in kenya um i i loved it but it is very much like that where you know services i think they basically start at dawn and go on till about 3 p.m if you're That's lucky intense. actually that was also a place where i had one of my most maybe intense experiences of worship um so although it starts at dawn you kind of they have sort of from like 10 till midday ish it's kind of the core bit of the service where the sermon will be. So everyone's there for that. Some people come early, some people stay late. So it, although it's a long service, it's, you know, Andy doesn't expect people to get up in the middle of his service, which, which well, I assume he doesn't. But um, it was one of those things we turned up and we were, um, this is George and I, and we were put straight into the seats of honour right at the front, which was slightly disturbing anyway, um, because we're sort of, you know, first time in Kenya for me, um, really intense experience of worship but then they, they had a visiting preacher who was a gentleman from the democratic republic of the congo and part of that means that in uh, while in in kenya most people speak it's three languages a, a tribal language swahili and english in uh the congo um although some speak swahili basically no one speaks english and they speak french um and so this is someone who we didn't share any language with um who stood at the front and preached and he kept looking at us and sort of miming over us and um, the sort of person we'd come with leaned over to, to Georgia and translated and she translated for me. And basically he was prophesying over us some really big stuff. And so I was sat there sort of in the middle of, of this small village in Kenya being prophesied over with a whole church of hundreds of people looking at me um, in a language I couldn't understand. So it was taking a while to get through um, by someone who, say, had travelled hundreds of miles to be at this church that that was that was intense but I actually really I think it was a really special experience I think it was something that I didn't fully understand it it probably scared me a bit but at the same time it was really special even, even more so towards the end of our time there this is like three months later the chaplain of the mission we were staying with who hadn't been at that church came and prayed for us before we left and um he prayed and he prophesied over us again. He gave us pretty much the same prophecy, but in English this time. So that was probably scary, but but good. And I think maybe sometimes worship should be a bit scary. I'm old enough to have lived through the Toronto blessing in the sort of early 90s, where a lot of this charismatic, very expressive forms of worship first sort of came over to, um, to the UK. Um, and I was in a, a very charismatic church at the time, so we were very much... Um, that was very much the style of the services back then. Um, and I'm not sure what I think about it. You know, I was, I was full in with it. 
Um, I, as time went by, I saw some of the dark side of that and some of the, the fakeness that can be that can be there with it and some of the sort of abuse and the power um powers tripping that you can get uh, so i'm really not sure what i what i think about that can i can i tell you about the craziest worship service that i've led this is in my church before i moved to the isle of man so before i was a minister we had a um i led a service all about the disney film tangled you know that you know that one, the one with Rob. Yes, Rapunzel that's amazing. Story. So we had we did the whole service about the Tangled film. So I think we sang songs from the film, which we sort of managed to tweak a little bit to make a bit more worshipful. But we had, you know, all kinds of paintings of things from the film. The the low point in the service was I thought it would be a good idea to get the kids to play frying pan tennis because Rapunzel in the film has a frying pan that she wields around so I got them to play frying pan tennis and that was great idea until one of the kids hit himself in the head with it and had to be taken off to hospital to have stitches <laughs> so that wasn't that was sort of the low point in the service we finished up um going to the um a, a little green just outside the church where we let off um those Chinese lanterns this was in the day before we realized that that was an an ethical thing to do in terms of landing in fields and causing problems so we all let off sort of fire lanterns and then we had lunch in the church and everyone sort of watched the film together into the afternoon so it was it was great actually it, I, I think it was a really apart from the frying pan tennis it was a really lovely service and I think that it sounds really, like my kind of church ah <laughs> uh, yeah so that, I think that's my craziest one uh, reminds me a bit of the story of a, a rather well-known minister on the island who will remain nameless who managed to set off the um the smoke alarms at a church by burning incense um <laughs> <laughs> linda knows who i mean um yeah. because the church wasn't you, you know it wasn't an anglican church where incense was burned um and where they sort of have procedures to turn off certain alarms so yeah they, they evacuated the methodist church by burning incense <laughs> georgia you lived in the southern united states for a while I did, and I do have a good answer to this question. Um, yeah, so when I was a teenager, I lived for five years in the States, right in the middle of the Bible Belt. And I want to be a little bit careful how I tell this story, because I don't want to like denigrate anyone's personal beliefs or anything. But while I was living there, my stepbrother, who was only six months younger than me, ended up dating a girl for a while who was a Southern Baptist. And the Southern Baptists are pretty kind of unique to the southern United States. They're very, very different from regular Baptists like Linda. <laughs> um, and they have relatively extreme beliefs, I guess, what seem to me quite odd beliefs. Um, and they tend to be quite kind of full on and intense and quite hellfire and brimstone. Um, and my stepbrother was not actually raised in the church. He was an atheist but he wanted to impress this girl. So he was going along to church with her every Sunday, but he'd never Standard. been to church at all. Um, and suddenly found himself going to a Southern Baptist church and obviously found it a bit kind of intimidating. So he had this idea of getting me to go with him because I was a churchgoer, so he thought I'd somehow like be able to hold his hand through this experience. But I had also never been to a Southern Baptist service. So I went along, along with them one week um, I think I went a couple of weeks in the end and it was it was very very hellfire and brimstone and it was kind of a feature standing at the front of the church and like screaming about like the narrow way to, <laughs> to heaven and the wide path to hell and 
the trouble was a as i think we've established on this podcast many times i'm not necessarily great at anything around sort of sincerity and seriousness in church but b it's a bit of a niche reference possibly but one of my favorite books growing up was cold comfort farm and there's this whole bit in cold comfort farm there ain't no butter in hell yes um, there's this whole bit with this church group called the Quivering Brethren and the whole idea is that the minister shouts at them about how they're all going to hell and they're all worms and they all quiver while he does it and it's just this like comic take on that kind of side of Christianity and the minister unfortunately was literally shaking while he shouted at us and it was all I could think about and I was getting the giggles I was like I can't laugh because they're taking this deadly seriously and I ended up having a fake illness to get out because I realised I wasn't going to be able to stop laughing. Um, and it was generally quite an awkward experience because I didn't really know this girl very well. She was just someone my stepmother was dating and I didn't know her family at all. But I did go back next week, like a good sister. <laughs> See, when you said you were going to tell a crazy story from America, I was assuming you were going to go with the turkey one. I forgot about that one. <laughs> I think but maybe we should have... Oh, I don't know. Should we have a separate episode for um, insane youth group sessions? I mean, we probably do have a whole episode worth of stories between us. Yeah. So we've got three youth leaders um, who sort of have all done crazy things in their time, um, but none of them topped the turkey. So um, moving on a bit from, uh, from Turkey, which we will tell you another week, we promise. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but there's a lockdown happening at the moment. And so... What? Yeah, church worship is, is not happening in the way it, it always has. So I guess, how does worship, what does worship look like now in, in the time of coronavirus? What things are, are we doing differently? What What's important now? Have our priorities shifted perhaps? And I can't think of a better person to start with than Andy for this one, um, because he started, I say, this um, endorsed by the Methodist Church <laughs> service. So Andy, how has... Worship, as, a, as a minister, how has worship changed for you? Yeah, so when we saw that churches around the world were shutting down and doing services online, we thought perhaps we should try something out and get some practice in before the lockdown starts. So we, we had the idea of doing a, doing a service. The word sty, by the way, is a Manx word and it means at home. Um, it's spelled S-T-H-I-E. So it it reads a little bit like stay at home, so stay at home. Um, and what, what it looks like, it's a, it's a pre-recorded service. So it, it, in, in a way, it's quite traditional. I, it, it lasts about half an hour and it's me at home filmed, leading through all the regular ingredients that you'd find in a standard Methodist service. So there are prayers of approach, there are prayers of confession, we sing. And there's a Bible reading there. There are sort of prayers. We, we say the Lord's Prayer. So all the standard ingredients are there. There's no communion. That's a, that's a whole separate issue, which the Methodist Church is currently sort of wrestling with at the moment. But we don't do that. So it's got all the bits of a normal church service. And I, I record it normally on a Friday um, and edit it together. And then on a Sunday morning, it, it's on YouTube, so people can watch it and join in from home at any time they like. But I think it is at its best on Facebook, where we've got a group. We've got a, a, a closed group where um, I check everybody is a legitimate real person, not 
a robot or a troll. So everyone in the group we think is a safe, a safe person. And then together we watch um, the video as a watch party. So people are commenting. So I'm, I'm kind of there double because I'm on screen, but I'm also there in the text comments, able to respond and to, um, to, to interact with people. So people will say what they want to pray for. They'll share stories about themselves. They'll share where God is working in their life at the moment, all in text comments, which come up together. So we get about about 80 odd people joining with that in a morning and about 20, 25 in an evening. So it's quite a significant um, a group of people from across the world, actually, connecting together. Equally, I think a lot of churches are, are doing it through an activity like Zoom, um, where it's all very, very off the cuff and you get people interrupting and it's very, very sort of ragged. And in a way, that's that's real. Um, so I think Sty kind of fits in the middle and it is pre-recorded. So it's kind of it's kind of got its own pace and it, it all works and it all hangs together and it's got its own rhythm. But also there's there is a live interaction as well. So for me, that's what worship looks like. It's it's now recording and recording songs and um, editing videos, putting it up. And then on a Sunday, sitting here, typing along, trying to connect with people and pray for people as we go. So I live stream my church service on a Sunday um it's it's quite similar in that it's um there's pre-recorded elements to it but um someone usually a minister will um present from from the church he'll be the only one there other than people on the sound desk um and then um bits like people there might be some different voices from the church, either doing a kids talk or uh, a reading or some prayers. Um, and then there's always an interactive element. So um, people can use the live chat or they can text in prayers or praise or things that they want to say or contribute or words that they might have for some, for the church. And then at the end of the live stream, there's a, a, a coffee lounge on zoom where people can all sort of meet together and then split off into rooms, virtual rooms um, for about five minutes or so, which is quite nice because then you don't just kind of catch up with your close friends who you stay in contact with. You actually still get to see everyone who you'd normally see at church for, for a few minutes each week, people who you wouldn't necessarily stay in contact with otherwise. So I'm finding that really helpful. I think most weeks we've been, taking part in the sci service Andy was talking about. I think in addition to that, similarly to how I said normally I need to kind of make sure I make time. I think I'm, I'm trying, not always very successfully, to to still do that and to make time in my weeks to just be kind of alone with God, maybe to to read a Christian book or listen to some Christian music or read my Bible or whatever it is I need to do that week. Um, I've not necessarily always been as sort of disciplined about that as I'd like to be, but I have been sort of trying to make that effort, like at least once a week to be doing something along those lines. Yeah, um, obviously being married to Georgia, a lot of mine looks looks similar in terms of sty whenever whenever we can, either on Facebook or later. But then um, for me also, like a big part of my worship has actually been continuing the youth work I was doing beforehand. Uh, our youth groups moved online um, using Zoom and actually sort of trying to disciple young people through it through what is a really difficult time has actually been very worshipful for me sort of actually to to find out what their experiences are help them to 
to continue to grow in their faith through this time. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of different ways that worship formed. Obviously, I'm not getting live music is, has always been sort of a, a thing I've loved. And obviously, we're not really getting that so much. We've got some pre-recorded stuff. We have some songs on at Sty and stuff like that. But that's probably what I'm missing most. But I'm very excited because this Sunday, the Big Church Day Out is doing the Big Church Day In. Uh, lots of big worship leaders are going to be sort of like doing these, their sort of um, worship sets from home and putting them on YouTube. Um, and like everyone's going to, everyone who wants to can, can watch. And they're also encouraging people to actually camp in their garden to get the authentic festival experience, which I am fully intending to do. Our neighbours will think we're insane. <laughs> it would be right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but camping is amazing. Um, <laughs> right, we're probably uh, coming towards the end of our time there. It'd be really great chatting with you guys. I wonder if there's anything right now that you've found most helpful in making space for worship during lockdown. I know that it can be a really tough time. I know I'm certainly finding it days can lack structure very easily. Um, and thus, although I've got more time than ever to spend worshipping God, I actually don't always do it. So I wonder, do we each have a, a way where we, that we find particularly helpful in making space in our hearts, making space in our lives to actually do wholehearted worship during this time? Um, well, in terms of church, one thing that I find helpful is that I put it on my TV because that's the biggest screen in the house, in the flat rather. And um, that makes me feel a bit more like I'm really there because it's a bit bigger. And then I have my laptop on my side with the with the same video but muted so I can take part in the chat and then I guess just during the week it's I think I mentioned it probably last week but taking time to just turn off the Netflix or whatever and just have a bit of silence is something that I find really helpful so making sure that I do that. Interestingly we don't have a TV because I replaced it with a fish tank so we have our computers. (laughs) Of course you did. How many fish tanks do you have now? Seven. Seven fish tanks. Well, technically eight, but I'm getting rid of one. I would like to say that you replaced our TV with a fish tank while I was away. <laughs> I came home and the TV was gone. I asked permission. <laughs> sort of. I, I asked her if it was okay. I had already committed to getting the fish tank, which was free. <laughs> I think you failed to mention how huge the fish tank you were getting was. <laughs> it was only four foot long. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we know what people tune into the animals for. Georgia, do you have any advice? (laughs) Um, I think, did you just say that you don't have a TV and that's your whole answer to the question? (laughs) No, I I was going to answer my question after Georgia. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) Okay. Um, You've totally thrown me off now. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk, probably not least for me myself, about the importance of like sticking to a schedule and having sort of some structure to your day but I think conversely for me it's also been quite important not to get so kind of committed to a structure and a schedule that I kind of rule out the opportunity for having sort of spontaneous time with God I guess um so I think it's been quite important for me to have a have a schedule but have it be flexible and be willing to change it if actually what I really need right now is to spend some time with God or I feel like maybe God's trying to say something to me and I'm shitting him out because I'm going well I'm meant to be folding laundry right now yeah i think for me it um kind of links in a bit to what we talked about last week which is that um you know watching what i'm consuming does make a difference so when i'm reading if i choose to read a christian book 
that I may have obtained from a quality outlet like Church's Bookshop. Shameless plug. <laughs> to be fair, this whole podcast is a shameless plug. Um, but yeah um you know actually reading a christian book and making that my book on the go that you know that i'm i'm reading can really help because it means i i'm taking time much more um much more sort of just in the background that then makes it easier to take that intentional time as well that sort of very decisive right now i'm going to take time with with god because i've sort of so filtered in all the the background stuff is all pointing me that way if that makes sense um, Andy, do you have any words of wisdom for us? My answer is always a bullet journal to any question <laughs> like this. Um, so for me personally, I, I think the bullet journal really works. Every morning it gives me a time when I, I pray and reflect and think back and, and read the Bible. And the bullet journal provides a really good structure for, for doing that. Um, and what I found um, as well when we first went into the lockdown phase and everything was changing and it took a long time to to get everything done there's so much that that had to be sort of worked out and new ways of doing things but I've realized now that I needed a a rhythm and a timetable so a bit like Georgia was saying I I've really needed a a timetable so I, I know that on a Tuesday for instance I will write out the the bible passage for the coming Sunday and study it and make notes on it so that's my job for tuesday morning and it's nice to know that that's the job for that day on thursdays i do the music so i record the the guitar and the singing for the style so it's um keeping that sort of routine and keeping things bounded so things don't flow into each other too much um i'm not so good at that but that's something i'm working on well thanks a lot andy for for joining us today um really enjoyed having you here and and sort of chatting with you a bit you're very um, welcome it's an honor and we will put the links on um on the post to sky on youtube and on facebook so if you sounded think you're interested in that um give that a look um say the, the links will be in the description below um and we should also note that andy was only very recently on the the methodist podcast which is far bigger than us so this is a real step down for for our media superstar this week but um For now, that's Georgia. That's Linda. And that's Andrew. And that's Andy. And we've been the Anvil Podcast from Church's Bookshop. Find us at churchesbookshop.im. Scroll down to the click The Anvil or on facebook.com forward slash The Anvil. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.